Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody? Are y'all sweaty? Or is it just me? Um, glad I could be here with all of you this morning. First thing I needed to do is uh, talk about mom. Mom's here today and uh, my biggest champion. Y'all don't know this, but behind closed doors, she loves me. No matter what, no matter what comes out of my mouth, my mama always loves me. And uh, my dad's working today. The, uh, The man who showed me how to work, you know? And uh, so I'm grateful for both of my parents today. They both love me and raised me as right as they thought, you know? And uh, today's Pastor Eugene's birthday. <laughs> and uh, so I had a good mom and dad that raised me in the world and showed me right from wrong and how to work and how to save money and how to raise kids and then God puts these other parents in your life, you know, that show you how to do kingdom work and how to have an amazing marriage. And, okay, let me show you how to raise kids in a godly way, you know, and all of these things. And so thank God for Pastor you and Miss Heidi here today. Thank you so much. <coughs> all right, we got the tears out of the way, got the sweat started. Y'all ready? So uh, my name is Kevin Lalonde, and I want to tell you a little bit about myself today, and I want to tell you a lot about Jesus, okay? So I was born at Opelousas General Hospital. I was raised in Lonzo Pie. I had a Ville Platte address. I drank prayer on water. I went to school in Chitania, and I married a Korean. So you're thinking, man, this dude's traveled the world. No, this was all within a stone's throw of my mom's house, and I was just blessed to be raised in the country. And um, I, I need to help you out today. You have three questions uh, that, that are going to be answered today. And the first question that you really, when you see me and Chrissy walking, I know you, you all ask this question to yourself. How did that dude get that chick? <laughs> Let's be honest. Amen. Easy, Johnny. And so the, I, I want to answer three questions today. How she ended up with me, how I ended up here, and how you ended up there. So what happened to me? How did I marry up? You know, if you're here today and you say, Kevin, Kevin married up, raise your hand. Go ahead. You can be honest. You can look around. Everybody raise your hand. I know you want to. And I did married up. And um, I can tell you how it started. It started at Chitania High School, and it started with a failure. And I failed the fifth grade. Not a little bit. I failed with 36 Fs, and I got, uh-uh, easy, easy. And I got an F minus in conduct. <clears throat> and so the following year, I'm going back to the fifth grade again, and you sit in the back row where all the failures sit. And through the door comes walking in this beautiful little adopted Korean girl, Chrissy Veillon. And right there, I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> that's it. I found the one. 
The problem was she was the 4.0 and I was the 0.04. And, and it, so I knew it was going to be a long ride. And so first thing I do, you know, I'm like, you write those little love letters, you know. Do you love me? Do you want to be my friend? And she's like, no. Check no, brother. No, not interested. I had a lot against me, you know. <laughs> I wasn't intelligent. I wasn't as good looking as I am now. I wasn't athletic. Um, I, I didn't have anything that, that she wanted, you know. She was too busy for me. She was a studier. I was none of that. So we had nothing in common. But, um, but I was a patient man. I was a very, very, very patient man. And I pursued Chrissy diligently, like telling her mom and dad, like I wasn't scared. I like go straight up to Mr. Darrell because they worked at school. And I was like, I'm going to marry your brud. You know that, right? She's, so she hated me, like a disdain because the same mouth I have today I had when I was in the fifth grade. And so I just, I couldn't help myself. And so I pursued her for nine years, never giving up. And then um, finally one day she gives me the chance. She's living in Baton Rouge and she's seen all the football players over there, all the baseball players. She's seen all these basketball players. And she says, no, <laughs> I know this guy. Like of all those men, really, you're gonna settle for this? So I was, I was all in. I was like, okay, I'm pulling out all the stakes. I'm pursuing this girl. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna just go half-heartedly. And so I said, okay, here we go. So I started taking out the card, you know, working hard to, to take her to all these fine American and Italian restaurants around, like Applebee's and Olive Garden, Chili's. Man, I was like going all out, you know. And so I'd write her little love letters, you know, write them all, these cute little things, and I'd put the little seal of the wax on it, and I'd stamp it, and I'd mail that off while she was living in Baton Rouge over there. I'd bring her flowers. I'd have her send flowers to her job over there. Because I wanted to do all that I could to woo her. Because I knew that's all. That's, that's all I had was, was to woo her. And in 2002, January 7th, 21 years ago, she said yes to me. To share the rest of her life with me. And as you know, in a healthy marriage, what makes a, a healthy marriage work is that they pursue each other. The issue with marriages today that we see that come for counseling is... One pursues and the other one's going a different direction. And so I'm so grateful for my bride that she's has reciprocated that back and forth to me to where we, we do have a healthy marriage, where we do pursue one another. And looking back over my life, I can see where God had been pursuing me. <clears throat> but again, he wasn't my type. <laughs> I had hobbies. I was a deer hunter. I was a beer drinker. You know, he was kind of clingy. He wanted me on Sundays, Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday. I was like, no, I've heard about you, brother. You're not, you're not my type, you know. And he wrote me a little letter. He was like, do you love me? And I'm like, nope, I know, I know how this goes. Nope, nope, don't want any of that. And so for the first 33 years of my life, God had every reason to take me out. You know, when you see people who aren't contributing to the kingdom, you're like, God, I mean, drug dealers, you know, murderers, all these other things. You're like, why don't you just take them out, God? Why not? I was, I was pointless in the kingdom. <clears throat> and then in Exodus, one second. When you read Exodus, you see in verses uh, 34 and 6, he says this. The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. 
I, I didn't know that, you know. I, I didn't know God. How am I supposed to know this, that that's what he was saving me for? In Hosea, he says this in verse uh, 14, chapter 2. He says, therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. That's God talking to his church. He's taking her out of a place and bringing her somewhere in the wilderness so that way she's going to listen to him. He's drawing her to himself. He's pulling out all of the stakes to entice her. Because his greatest desire today is to be with you. Can you imagine being a father and your kids just stay in the room all the time and you never see them, you never spend time with them? That's what it feels like. He wants to be with you. He wants to be near to you. In fact, from the very beginning, when he created Adam, it was the same thing. He created Adam because he wanted something to worship him. Out of abundance of love, he touches the earth and creates Adam. He wanted communion. He pursued us in creation itself. Think of everything that he gave Adam. Can you imagine being created and it's just you and God and you're having these conversations, you're walking through the Garden of Eden and it's just you and God. All the questions you ever wanted to ask, he's there. And this isn't like uh, awkward conversations. He's the father. So, Dad, what are we going to do today? I don't know, son. What you want to do? You know, let's go walk around. The trees he provided, all of the fruit he provided, all the animals, everything was perfect. And then he adds on top of that, and then here, I'm going to give you this. He gives him Eve and says, y'all go play. Y'all go have fun. Can you imagine that kind of lifestyle when God just keeps pursuing you and giving you all of these things because he loves you? God just keeps lavishing him and lavishing him, just throwing all of these things on him, knowing what's to come, knowing what's going to happen with Adam and Eve. And even after the fall, what's going to happen now? In Genesis 3, it says this, But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Adam, where are you? Pursuing. He can't stop. It's just who he is. He has got to pursue. He's the Lord. And when you think about the story of the lost sheep, he leaves the 99 for the one. Because it, it, it's the shepherd who is the one who seeks the sheep. The shepherd seeks the sheep. You know, when all you saints are over here, when the 99 were here, like, where did God go? Where? He was looking for me. <laughs> Why is God not here? He was out looking for Kevin. He was pursuing me. And you should be thrilled with that whenever you're like, where is God? No, he's out pursuing. God's not a God who subs that kind of stuff out. He's not sending you out. No, 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 this is my people. I want them. I'm going. In Ezekiel 34, 11, for thus says the Lord, behold, behold, he says, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. It's what he does. When you think about the parable of the lost coin, the woman has 10 coins and she lights a lamp and sweeps a whole house looking for the one. He does that till the ends of the earth. This isn't just a house he's talking about. He's talking about the ends of the earth. He's going to find that, that one. It's just, he's going to pursue. So it's what, who God is. In Matthew 13, 
Verse 45 and 46, it says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. You're that pearl today. And he looks at you and you're this beautiful, shiny pearl that he would sell everything for just for you. Why would a God search so relentlessly? What motivates a God to go out and to search so relentlessly to find that one? Matthew 18, 14 says this. It's Jesus speaking. He said, so it's not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these should perish. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to lose anybody in this room today. He's here and he's for you and he's pursuing you. He left some other church to come here today just for you. He wants you. And I've heard it said that God is the hound of heaven. And like a prisoner being chased, that, that, that's who I was. And you know, you're, you're afraid as he's chasing you down. You know, you hear this noise in the background and you're like, man, what is behind me? Who's chasing me? And, and, and that was me. I was running through the fields of loss of pie and shackles, just running through these fields with a shotgun, shooting rabbits and living that life. You ever see somebody running in shackles? Are they really running? They're not. You're not going to outrun God. You think you are. <laughs> you really think you're getting it. Are you going to get it? <laughs> he was hounding me this whole time. And, and we moved to New Orleans. Chrissy's in school over there. She's in medical school out there, and we're living there. Left New Orleans, had to go to Mississippi for her practice. There I meet this nun, and Caroline's at a daycare there, and this nun is hounding me. Kevin, can you come serve? Can you put down some mulch? Kevin, can you assemble some shelving? Kevin, can you do this? Kevin, so, and he's still pursuing me, just working me like a dog. Hounding me in Ohio. When we went to Ohio, just, just the, the people that he would put in my life. My God, what's going on? The whole time I'm running, I hear him behind me. The clanking, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, he's there, he's there. But you don't realize that he's, what he's chasing you with when you're in these shackles? He was actually chasing me with the key. Yeah. Yeah. He just wanted to unlock these shackles so I could really take off and run with him in the same direction as him. But Again, I, I didn't know. And in Romans 3, verses 10 and 11, it says this, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, and no one seeks for God. He wrote that verse for me. He's letting me know, hey, I, I know. And then we move back to Opelousas. One second. And, um, and something in my heart started to change. I didn't understand the feeling, what was going on. I, I just, it's unexplainable. And in John 6, 44, it says this, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I, I started being drawn. There was something that was drawing me to God. And I, I don't know what was going on, but th this is what it was. It was the Father drawing me. He's hounding me. And looking back now, you know, you always see it retrospectively. You know, you can look back and see and. My mom here today starts bringing Caroline to church at the Delta Grand. 
And um, she'd come home and, Dad, this church is so amazing. Well, good, baby, you keep going. You know, y'all keep going to church. You can enjoy that. You know, I want a good kid that goes to church, you know. <laughs> Daddy's going to go hunting. We started joining the life groups, started meeting people. And then there was a men's conference in Lafayette, and Christy says, you should go. I said, okay, I'll go, baby. So I said, who am I going to, like, how am I getting there? I said, you're going to ride with Eric on me. I'm like, that dude don't talk. Like, he's silent, baby. Like, it's going to be the longest ride ever. And so we finally make it there. And um, you goody. You good? Okay. And uh, we get to this conference, and I don't know who the speaker was. Don't ask me. Don't ask me what the topic was. I don't, I don't remember anything. I just remember sitting there in the pews, and, and God's just doing this heart surgery on me. We come out of this room, and, of course, there's Pastor you standing there, and I walk out, and, you know, and, man of God, how was that? <laughs> and, and that was my salvation moment where I realized that, no, man, you've been running. You have just been running. When are you going to stop running? And after that, I start leading a men's Bible study here, start teaching at Java Square, start uh, to set up and tear down at OHS, the Civic Center, all these things, start discipling men. And then the Bible changed on me. It wasn't just reading anymore. It started revelation. It went from reading to revelation to where words started shining in the Bible. Things started connecting in my mind. And listen, I'm an uneducated man. Don't fool yourself. These things started just popping into my head. And I'm like, this, this has got to be God. This is not Kevin. This is the .04 kid reading this Bible here. And I'm like, I don't know. Why is this coming to life? So much revelation. And we go into this small group setting. And one of the ladies walks in and and looks dead at me and she's like are you the pastor i'm like lady i'm in shorts and a t-shirt like no i'm not the pastor and someone else would walk in hey uh, are you the pastor i'm like no i'm not the pastor lord stop you know and then <laughs> everywhere as i went i couldn't escape him and then you read psalms 139 verses 7 and 8 and he says this where can i go from your spirit where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there, God. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. No matter where you are, he's there. And all along the way in my life, he's wooing me. He's doing the best he can to keep drawing me and drawing me. He sends me Chrissy, this, this beautiful woman that I'm married up to. He gives me free college at LSU. I mean, who gets free college? I got into nursing school at LSU with the lowest ever GPA. I think there's a plaque over there somewhere with my name on it. That's an aspiration for everybody here, okay? If I can be a registered nurse, you can too. He gave me three beautiful kids. He put men like Eric Ami in my life and Johnny Darbone, and he gives me these men of God who just, you see the characters that they have, and you're like, no, there's something in them that I need too. And you just kind of pick and choose some, some of these things in these men. You're like, no, this guy 
has humility. I, that's what I want to be like. And he started putting men like that in my life. And then he gave me this beautiful church family. And that's just the material stuff in life that he gives you. You know, I got a car, I got a truck, I got all these things, it runs. And that's just the material things. And then he started giving me other things. He said, look, son, this is not what I called you for. I want you to have salvation. I want you to know my son. I want you to have righteousness. I want you to have purpose in life. I want you to have purpose in life. I want you to enjoy the fruits of the Spirit. I want you to have the gifts of the Spirit. But the truth was, I, I wasn't worthy of being a child of God. I, re I really didn't feel a pastoral calling on my life because I had a history of sin. What kind of pastor would I be with a history of sin? And you're like, well, mm, what kind of sin? Do divulge. <laughs> I wanted the glory. That's all I wanted all the time. Put a light on me. I want to steal the glory. I'm not giving it to anybody else. I had confidence in the flesh. And then one day I turned myself in. I said, you know, th this is it. I, I can't live like this anymore. I don't want it. And I turned around. And I became that prodigal son. If you're here today... And you've gone one million steps in the wrong direction away from God. It's, it's not a million steps back. You turn around and it's one step towards him is all he's looking for today. When you hear the story in the Bible of the prodigal son, the father sees him from far off. Not sure which way he's running. <laughs> the second he noticed that he was running his direction, that one step that he saw triggered a fatherly response of love that he broke out in a sprint and he couldn't help himself but pursue his son. I read the story of a, a, um, a young man and his father weren't getting along. The dad had plans for him the son didn't like. So the son said, that's fine, where I'm leaving. I said, well, go ahead, son. I'm taking the train and I'm going somewhere else. Pack your bags. Go ahead. So he leaves. A couple of years later down the road, the son recognizes that he was wrong. He's lost in his ways. Starts remembering how the father spoke over him. So he writes a letter. Pins a letter to the father and says, Dad, on this date, I'd like to come home. I'm going to take the train to come home. And if it's okay, if you still love me, I'm welcome home. Would you put a white blanket on the fence outside, on the clothesline outside? Would you put a white blanket there? And if when I'm passing on the train, I see this white blanket, I know that that's a sign that I'm welcome home. So the morning of the train ride, he gets on the train, takes off on his way back to the house, meets a man. They're sitting side by side, and they begin to chit-chat. About a mile away from the house, um, he looks at the, the man and says, hey, he says, um, when we make the bend right here, they said, there's going to be a house on the right-hand side. He said, would you do me a favor? He says, look over the fence there. There's going to be a clothesline. Would you let me know if there's a white sheet on that clothesline? He says, sure. So they keep traveling, and he's looking the other direction. And he hears the man gasp. 
I says, what? Tell me, please, tell me. He says, you're not going to believe this. He says, what? He said, for the past half mile, there's been white sheets on the fence. White sheets covering the whole clothesline. The roof of the house is covered in white sheets. He loves you and he wants you to come home. What do you do? What do you say to that? David, David said this in Psalms. He said, um, you have said, Lord, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. That, that's your response today. It's to seek him. And so that's what I began doing. I began seeking him. And I'm not just talking seeking. I mean like running. Chasing him. When you start to think about Saul on his road to Damascus, and you think this is just a regular day for Saul, like nothing special whatsoever. And you think about why would God use a Saul, a man who persecuted the church, a man who hated him, hated his people, and God uses him. Because God wanted the world to see a man who was broken, who was so against him and said, when the world sees him, they're going to know my power. When the world sees this man loving the church that he hated and praying for that church to thrive, they're going to see my power. So I had a decision to make. Psalms 23 says this, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a decision that we all have to make. And I committed myself and I gave up running away from what Jesus had for me. And I finally embraced the call, the pastoral call in my life. The, the crazy thing is, anybody here ever had God like just drop something in your lap? I mean like really, like just drop something in your lap. Like you're talking about it, the phone rings and there it is. No, no, like this is, I'm just, I'm about to tell you some crazy stuff. <laughs> and so on January 19th, 2022, Pastor Myron and Pastor you pulled me in the office, not the first time. <laughs> Remember, I was that F minus kid. And he says, hey, do you have a pastoral calling on your life? Do you want to plant a church? Because listen, this little toilet paper changing game you got over here ain't going to last forever. <laughs> but okay, Pastor, you kind of put me on the spot. I said, yes, I do. Christy and I are called to start a church. We want to plant a church. We want a ministry. And so this is like noon, you know. January 20th, 6.50 a.m., the next, I mean, this isn't, this is literally 18 hours later. Michelle Henry, who was sitting right here. Haven't, I worked at her with the, uh, in the prison in Basio, worked there for three years. Quit working there, had been gone for many, many years. Hadn't talked to Miss Henry, nothing. 18 hours later. Good morning, my brother. 
Pray all is well with you and your family. Just wanted to share with you that while I'm a fast, God showed me you preaching his word. God is calling you into ministry. I saw you in a church in your hometown proclaiming his word. Continue to seek his face and he will reveal it to you. May God keep you in his care, my brother in ministry. Stand up, Miss Henry. Um, isn't it incredible that God would speak to some lady in Ville Platte about some dude living in Opelousa and say, you're going to preach the word. I mean, you can't make this kind of stuff up. Do you believe in God? Do you believe he answers prayers? Do you believe he's a miracle working God who still speaks to his people? Why are you surprised? <laughs> so now you know the story about how I got that beautiful woman there, how I married up. And you know how I'm here today. And I just want to tell you how you married up. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, you married up? <laughs> He's putting his arm around his wife. He's like, yeah, girl. <laughs> I didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. If you're a child of God here today, raise your hand. Collectively, when the children of God raise their hand, you are Christ's bride. He is the bridegroom and you are his bride. You, you married up. You don't deserve him, but he woos you. He created you and not just created you. You know what he calls you? He calls you his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. The same way I look at this beautiful woman sitting here is the same way he looks at each one of us in his church. You're his craftsmanship. You're beautiful in his eyes and he cannot help but pursue something so beautiful. He just can't help it. He's smitten with pursuing you. You know that our God is the only God that pursues his people? There is not another God that is ever spoken about that pursues his people. Jesus is a jealous groom. You know that? He wants all of your love. I'm a jealous groom. I'm a very, very jealous groom. I know Chrissy loves my children. And that's the, the love that a mom has for her children. And they can have it. I'm not going to touch it. But all the love that's in her heart for the husband that God provided her, that's the what I want. And I want it all. And I'm not going to share it with anybody here. When you think about Christ and God and all the wooing, the lavishing, the sacrificing, you know, when you think about a husband who sacrifices his life for the wife he's never even met, all the forgiving, the carpenter's son who built a mansion for you in heaven, 
all the gifts that he's given you here on earth. If that was your real husband, if a woman found that kind of man today, what? <laughs> you'd be chronicling it on Instagram, Facebook. You'd be calling your girl and say, girl, let me tell you what I found. You need to come to the house and see my man. He is incredible. He is generous. He is kind. He is loving. He cares for me. You'd be telling everybody. He prays over me daily. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Girl, I'm here in sickness. I'm here in health. He's a provider. He's a protector. He's a comforter. He's got plans. He's got big plans for us. Not just any plans, perfect plans. Girl, you married a king. Not just any king. The king of kings. The king of kings. In Galatians 5, he lists other gifts that he wants to give you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let me ask you something. What would you do if you had a husband like that? What would you do to him? You'd worship him. You would worship that man. So as the church today, can we get to our feet? Can we worship the good God that we serve?
Just be seated just for two more minutes with every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you, Pastor Kevin, for that word, just reminding us of the incredible love of God that he never leaves us, never for, he's always pursuing us. Christians, would you begin to pray right now? We needed to be reminded, and there's others in the room that needed to know, and today he's been pursuing you. It's no accident that you're even here today that you heard this message today. And so you hear Jesus, there was, a, there was a man who came to Jesus by night and said, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus would say, you can't see the kingdom or you can't enter the kingdom until you've been born again, until you surrender is what he was saying, until you just give up. And you go, Pastor Eugene, how do you be born again? It's easy as A, admit, admit what? Admit that we're a sinner. That's what Kevin was just giving the testimony of, admitting where he really was. He admitted it, that he was a sinner, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room, be, believe, not know, believe that Jesus came to give his life, to pay the sin debt for every single one of us. The man without sin gave up his life to pay for our sin so we wouldn't be held guilty of it. And then see, confess him as the Lord. That means to open up your heart and make him the boss of your life, that you're now going to live for him instead of living for yourself. And so you, heard, you saw a beautiful testimony. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and that pursuit, he's been after you. Remember, he's not chasing you to get you. He's chasing you because he has the key to unlock us from all the shame, the guilt, all of it, to unlock you, to forgive you of everything you've ever done. And he's here today. So with every head bowed and eye closed, if you say, Pastor Eugene, today I'm ready to be born again. I want to pray. I want to ask God to be the Lord of my life. Would you just slip your hand up high? No one's looking but me. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Would you hold it up high? Thank you. Thank you. I see hands going up all over the room, all over. Congregation, could you add your voice and your faith to theirs? I'm just going to ask you to pray this simple prayer. Would you say this with me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I am a sinner. I have sinned. And I need your forgiveness. Would you come into my heart today 
and be the Lord of my life. I'm surrendering to you the rest of my life. Now, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Because I need your grace to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we give God all the praise? Come on, we can do better than that. Can you give it up for Pastor Kevin? What a word. Incredible. I just want to clarify one thing, one thing. Kevin told the story of Pastor Myron and I meeting with Kevin in the room and saying, Kevin, is there a call of God on your life? It wasn't like that. Let me give you, how many of y'all want to know the real story? The real story is like, Kevin, there's no future for you. Kevin, you better get with it. Is there a call of God on your life? I think so. Yeah, you. That's how it was. And Miss Henry, thank you for being obedient to the Holy Spirit, sending that confirmation the next day. We honor you, woman of God. Whew. So I want you to do this. Kevin and Christy are going to be right out front. Please hug them, encourage them. And uh, if you need prayer, our prayer team will be up front here. Stand to your feet. I want to pray this blessing over your life before you go. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Let me speak this over you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. And you're going out till you're coming in again. May all that you set your hands to, seeking first the kingdom of God, may he bless it and prosper it. And I bless you in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And you just say, I receive that. We love you. God bless you. Have a great day.